blessed be almighty God. Blessed be almighty God. Today we are anchored in Christ. Today we are stable. Today we are secure. Today we are safe in the name of the Lord Jesus. We are not tossed to and fro. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we are not as the waves of the sea. Today we are established, we are firm, we are secure, we are anchored. We are standing on solid ground. We are standing on the immovable rock. God who is able to do all things with you, all things are possible. Nothing shall be impossible with God. You would do for us what no man can do. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Blessed be God Almighty. Give him praise yourself. Give him honor. Thank him for your life. Ooh, hallelujah. 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 Blessed be Almighty God. Blessed be almighty God. With God all things are possible. Do it for your people. Do what must be done for your people. Do what you alone can do. Do what you alone can do for your glory, for your majesty, for your honor. And man may give you praise and honor for the mighty works of God. We thank you. We glorify you. We magnify you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray that people find rest for their souls in Christ our Lord. I pray that the sinner will find Christ as Savior. The sick will find Christ as healer. And the oppressed will find Christ as deliverer. In the name of Jesus, Lord, stretch forth your hand and work miracles, signs, and wonders. Let the lost be saved, the sick be healed, the oppressed be delivered. Those who are confused, let them have peace of mind. Make a way where there's no way. Establish people, little God, in you. Thank you for building lives. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. What has not been done up till now shall be done by God Almighty. And for this, we give you praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' matchless name, by the faith of God, I call it down. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. God richly bless you. You may be seated in the sanctuary. Everybody around the world, thank you for joining us today. Hallelujah. How to be anchored. How to be anchored. Hallelujah. Hope is at anchor. How to be anchored. A 
N C H O R, an anchor. Amen. How to be. Let's look at this from Hebrews chapter 6, please. Hebrews 6. Hallelujah. If you lose your hope, you're not anchored. Keep your hope in Christ. You are anchored. See how you do it and how you remain anchored despite the storms around you. It is necessary to keep the vessel anchored because of the waves, because of the external forces on the vessel. It is necessary to have the vessel anchored because the external forces will move the vessel. If it is not anchored, it will move from the desired place for the vessel. Want a ship to remain a particular place, you have to cast the anchor so that the ship is established. It is immovable by the waves. Amen. All right. So you look at the ship like your life, my life. Just the imagery that we have, uh, not only from life, but also, in fact, more importantly, from the scriptures. So, Hebrews 6, praise the Lord. Verse 17 through 20. Start with verse 17. Hebrews 6, Hebrews 6, verse 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, people who have inherited promise, the unchangeableness, the King James Version, the word is immutable. That's unchanging. The immutability of his counsel, that his counsel will not change. Confirmed it by an oath. So right there in that verse, you see two things. In verse 17, Hebrews 6, 17, let's look at it again. Wherefore, God willing, now like, don't you like how it says, willing more abundantly. Not just willing, he's so eager for you to be settled, anchored, unmoved, unfaced, but settled in your faith, expecting what God said to come to pass. God who gave a promise to you and you received that promise, inherited that promise, God, who has said something, whose word is sure, settled in heaven, and will never fail. So that promise itself is sure, is set, because God is not a man to lie. Amen? God is all-powerful. He can do any and everything that he says he would do. So he gives a promise, and that promise is sure. But God is more than willing 
for you to be at peace. So he further confirms what he said by swearing an oath. He says, I swear. Like somebody would say, I take this oath that I will do this, I'll do that. And on the strength of the oath, if they fail to do what they promise to do, they can be, let's say that if it's a president, they can be impeached, they can be thrown out of office. You know, because they failed to keep the oath they swore to protect the country from enemies within and enemies without. So why are you still the leader of the country if you've turned against the country? Do you understand that? Okay, so God willing more abundantly that you would be settled and be assured that what God has said he would do, God will do, that God will fulfill his purposes and plans for your life. God further said, I swear. But we know in life, when people swear, when people take an oath, they take an oath standing on something that is greater than themselves. So a leader of a country will swear on the constitution, you know, the laws of the land, which are greater than the leader. Isn't that right? So God, for God to swear, he has to find something greater than himself. But there's no one greater than God. There's nothing greater than God. So God swore by the greatest, that's God himself. Make sense? Okay. So he swears that he will do what he says he will do. Now, just like the leader of a country who swears to do something, and if they fail to do it, to protect their country, they can be thrown out of office. When God swore by himself, swore by his throne, that as king of the nations, king of the world, of our lives, you keep his word. If God fails to keep his word, God will have to lose his throne. It is that serious. I mean, keeping his word is that serious to God. Watching over God's word, his own word to perform it, is that serious to God. He's faithful. He wants you assured that no matter the storms of your life, the opposition that you encounter, God is with you. God will help you. Things will turn around for your good in your favor. God says, I have sworn by my throne, I'll do this for you. If I don't do it, I lose my throne. And we all know that God will never lose his throne. So that means God will keep his word to us. Amen. You know, that we will be blessed in life, that we'll see God at work in our lives. The problem is not on God's side. It's not that God will fail. No. It's usually that people doubt God. People fail to trust God. People fail to take God at his word. People look more 
are the circumstances and focus more on the circumstances than on God, on the faithfulness of God, on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, on the love of God for us, on God using his power in our behalf. They they fail to look at that. And as they look at the circumstances, they begin to feel overwhelmed, fearful. And then they give up. God is still the same. God's so willing to keep his word. But for God to bring his word to pass in your life, you have to believe him. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So God expects faith from us. He doesn't expect you to cry. He expects you to believe him. It's not your crying looking pitiful that moves God. It's not for you to say, God, I'm the poorest, so help me. God, I'm surrounded by racist people, so be kind to me. That's not what moves God. It is your faith in him that moves God. So unfortunately, people look more at the circumstances. When you look at the circumstances, instead of looking at God and his power available to work in your behalf, you begin to get moved or get swayed. Well, in this series of teachings, one example we've looked at, I believe it was as recently as last week, and for those who were not with us last week, we looked at this example of Peter walking on, as most of us say, on water. But I explained to the church that he hadn't actually did not walk on water. He walked on the word that Jesus gave him. So as Peter was standing on the water and not drowning or sinking, by the force of gravity, he would go down. But Peter stood on the word that Jesus gave him. So the word became like solid ground. It became the rock on which he was standing. God had his word at once. So when he, Jesus gave him the word, he was standing on, on the Lord. The Lord was upholding him. His anchor and support was the Lord himself. That is the word. Jesus said, come. And he stood on come. So he was standing on one word, come. As he stood on the water, he's standing on the word. Beneath him is like solid ground. It's like concrete on top of the water. I mean, that's just amazing. But we all know that as long as Peter stood on the word and looked to the Lord, kept his eyes on the Lord, although the waves were still raging, as long as he kept his eyes on the Lord, Peter was not sinking, he was not drowning, he was not going to die. He was fine and still remained standing on the water as it were. But again, you see the emphasis, he was standing on the word of God, on the word of the Lord Jesus. 
Then we all know the story. You tell me. When Peter began to look at, listen to the boisterous wind, the raging storm and waves, and began to look at the waves. And you think about it, you're a man, you're standing on water. First of all, that doesn't happen. And then you have these high waves around you. If you're looking at it and your eyes are off of the Lord, and but now to the waves, what do you think will happen? You begin to get what? Fearful. Scared. Isn't that right? So in Peter's case, as he turned his eyes away from the Lord, so now his heart and his mind are not focused on the majesty of God, the power of God. Now he looks at the fierceness of the waves. And fear gets into him. And he begins to what? Drown. How do you keep yourself anchored? How do you keep yourself standing in the midst of the storms of your marital life? Your professional life? Financial struggle? A health struggle? Dealing with your children? A child going through a challenging time? How do you stand? The ministry God gave you Trying to figure out what is my purpose in life? What is my destiny? What am I supposed to do with this life? What is the meaning of life? How do we stop from being swayed, getting confused, despairing of life, even becoming suicidal in some extreme cases? How do we stop these things? It, ladies and gentlemen, it is, it is easy. It is, it is really easy. And it... And what it is you do is you focus on Jesus. Bring your mind back on Jesus. Who he is, what he has done for you, he destroyed the devil. He defeated the devil. You already know that, but you have to have the presence of mind. Bring your mind back to that. Are you with me? Look at something. Keep, keep, we're coming right back to Hebrews 6, but look at this. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Just look at this picture. Ephesians 4, please. And verse 24. Ephesians 4. Ephesians is written to Christians, to one of the most spiritual churches in the early church. What verse did I give you in Ephesians 4? 24. Thank you. All right. Ephesians 4, 24. Ah, you know what? Let me read from 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Is that something? God, is God telling you to do something? Can you do it? Because God will never tell you to do something you cannot do. If it's not important, would God tell you to do it? No, it's important. That's why he says do it. He says do what? Be renewed 
in the spirit of your mind. So all of us right now, the state of our mind, the way we think, God says, get a new mind. Get refreshed, renewed, recharged. Amen. Polish it up. Praise God. Remove the cobwebs. Clean up the house. You know, renew. Make it new again. Hello? And be renewed in the spirit. I've always loved the scripture. The spirit of your mind. What I want you to notice here, he didn't even say be renewed in your mind. Apart from having a mind, there's also what? The spirit of your mind. Come on, people. Even if you don't know what the spirit of the mind is, we're seeing that there's such a thing as what? Spirit of the mind. You're with me? There is your mind and there is what? The spirit of your mind. Are we good? There is your mind and then there's what? The spirit of your mind. Amen? Okay, let me explain spirit of your mind. Let's just use scriptures to explain. Let's look for another word that we can use to represent spirit. We good? Let's use a synonymous word. Another word that represents spirit or explains spirit. I know you know it, but let's just have the Bible do it. Go to John 6, 63. John 6. John 6, 63, when you find it, say amen, somebody. All right, I'll give you 20 seconds to get there. All right, amen. You found John 6, 63. It is the spirit that quickens. King James English, quickens means makes alive. The spirit makes alive. It is the spirit that boosts. Gives you a boost of energy, life. It is the spirit or the life of a powerful car's battery that jump starts the dead car, the stalled car, the other stalled car. We good? Okay. It is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The word of God is spirit. And the word of God is life. We all good? Hello? Okay. Now hold right there and think about this other scripture. You already know it. Let's go there. And God breathed into man. And man became a living God breathed into man. 
A man became a living, I know you know, a living soul. Yes? The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. We good? The word of God is spirit and life. Amen. So the word of God gives you God's spirit. The word of God gives you God's life. So God's spirit is God's life. Yes? The word, the word of God gives you God's spirit. The word of God gives you God's life. So God's spirit is God's life. Are we good? I explain that further using Genesis chapter 2. And God breathed into Adam. All right, you want to go there, Genesis 2? Verse 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. The dust of the ground. What part of man is this first part of Genesis 2, 7? What part of man is this part talking about? This very first part we've read. Genesis 2, 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. The body right? The body came from the soil you know from the ground. That's why we say dust to dust from the dust man came to the dust it shall return. Everything always returns to its original source. Do you all know that? Hmm. Our spirit came from God. So your spirit will go back to God. When you die, your spirit will go back to God. Oh, you better make sure that your spirit's going to go back to God by choosing God now. If you say, God, I don't want you, when you die, your spirit will not go to where God is. And the only place God does not live, he's been there before, but the only place where God does not live, according to the scripture, is called hell. He's been there before. He went there so we don't have to go there. We good? Hello? I think you're learning, right? Is that why you're quiet? Or you're hungry? I also didn't eat this morning, so let's go. Amen. Praise God. Okay, so Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. That's the body of man. Yes? And breathe. Into his nostrils. Breathe into his nostrils. <laughs> oh my God. Isn't that awesome? Oh Jesus. Thank you. Can you imagine somebody being resuscitated, brought back to life? You know, just picture that. Well, look at God. Breathe into his nostrils. God says, I love you. What is in me, I want to put in you. The rest of creation, God did not breathe himself into. We are the only ones out of all God's creation that God breathed himself into to tell us that he wants us to have his nature, his likeness, and he wants to fellowship with us. He wants us to be like him, to have himself in us. He wants to live in us. 
He wants to live with you. Not somebody who says that, I love you. I like you so much, I don't want to be away from you. You know, I want to marry you. I want to live in the same house with you. You know? Isn't it exciting? That's just exciting. Isn't it? God is not against you. God is for you. God loves you. He wants to be with you. He wants to make his home in you. And that's somebody who wants to marry you. I'm trying to put it in like normal human terms so we can, we can see it. But actually it's not. It's from God. It's a revelation of God. God gave us marriage on earth. The highest reason for marriage on earth is to show us about the union of God and Christ. That is the highest reason. I mean, there are, there are a lot of natural blessings, you know, other companionship and all the, all the other blessings, procreation, different things, yes. But the, the most important reason is to show us union, oneness of Christ and God. Amen. And how that, after that, they want us to be one with them. Yes? We good? That's actually why the first miracle that Jesus performed was at a wedding. Marriage. To tell you I've come to unite man to God. So that you can be one with us just as the son is one with the father. That's, that's why he performed that. The first miracle. Yes. And that's why you saw the kind of problem they had at the wedding. What was the problem? They lacked wine. You know what wine represents? Joy. The joy of the Lord. And if they had not had the wine, what would have happened? What would have happened to the, what would have the people, the, the guests thought of the, the groom and the family that uh, was having the wedding? What would they have thought of them? What, what do we say in the, in the natural world? They would, what, what would they have gone to the next, to out to town and told people? And when they tell the story of what happened at the wedding, what, what, what negative emotions? What's the word? Shame. Right? Shame. Yes, you're right. Thank you, Elder Max. Shame. Come on, we come to your wedding. You don't serve us. I mean, this is a wedding. Come on, people. We got nothing to drink. When we go and tell folks, what happens to, what would they think of you? What happens to your name? The name of that, your reputation. It brings shame. So Christ was performed his first miracle to show us this. I want to tell you that I want to unite with you. We're good? And also to remove your shame. Hello? It's significant. Amen? And what was the other thing? So to avert all that, what did they pour into the vessels? Water. What does the water represent in the Bible in this, in this context? No. In the context of filling the empty vessels, what does the water represent? Salvation. Water of life. You are empty. Come on, empty, fill it. Think. It's empty, fill it. What does it represent? 
You're empty of God. You're devoid of God. You don't have God's glory. And I've come to give you back the glory of God, which is Hebrews chapter 2, verses, verses 9 and 10. Hebrews 2, 9 and 10. Jesus came to give us back the glory of God. Come on, people. When they fill their vessels, when they fill their vessels that were there, isn't it amazing it, that it just so happened that in, in John 2, at the wedding, how many parts, empty parts? Why is it that there were just empty parts sitting there? You ever ask yourself these questions? How is it that we got this wedding going on and there are parts sitting there, they're empty? I mean, whose idea was this? You got a lot of people coming. Some people want to drink water. And back in those times, at that time, you fill those vessels with water. Who's, which servants? On this day, we're having a wedding. If it is some of you men, you would throw a fit. We have a wedding. We got these pots there. And there's no water in it. You call your, your head servant. Uh, what, what's the name of the person who's like the wedding planner? Is it a wedding planner? Yeah, you're going to call the, oh man, you're going to call the wedding planner and lay them out, right? Hello? Come on, at least, I know you're listening, but right, right? I should get some kind of reaction like I'm not the only person here. <laughs> right too, there's no response from you all. You, you just, next Sunday, please eat before you come to church. You have some energy to say amen or out or something, you know? <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. Are you all with me? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, everything God does is for a purpose. It's for a reason. I mean, why would he perform his first miracle at a marriage? Because he came to marry man to God. To reconcile men to God. And when he came, the parts are the wedding. I mean, think about it. You, you have guests coming. And you serve people water and drinks. And you've got all the containers that are supposed to be used to serve them something to drink. And the containers are empty. I'm serious. Who is that? That wedding plan ought to be fired. No. Yes. Maybe. No reaction again? Okay. All right. Today I'm just going to preach. I don't expect any reaction from you all. All right. So, by myself, I do like it. I'm doing a true life broadcast in the studio, you know? So, I know, I know you're digesting it, so that's good. That's fine. That's, that's cool. Somebody tell me this. Let me tell me. Now, this one you got to tell me. How many, because I preached it before. How many pots were there? How many pots were sitting there? Six. So you got empty pots and there are six. Why six? Because six is man's number. Six empty pots. Six represents humanity. That's empty. Devoid of the water of life, of salvation. I will put in you the water, the, the well of water, springing up to everlasting life. Remember John 4, 14? 
Yes. Amen. So there are these empty vessels, empty parts. Who is the potter? Who are the clay in the Bible? Who is the potter and who is the clay? Who is the potter? God. Who is the clay? Us. We are. So we got clay parts that are empty. That is humanity empty. We good? Amen. Then the Lord Jesus says, pour into the empty part water. Humans, we are empty. And Jesus, as he said, in, which I quoted in John 4, 44, John 4, 14, to that woman of Samaria, if you believe in me, you come to me, I will pour into you a well of water springing up to everlasting life. We are with me? What do we say that wine represents? Joy. No, today, what do we say that the wine represents? I already said it, right? We said it represents joy, right? Okay. Church, let's do this. Let's do this. I mentioned John 4, 14 twice. Just go look at it yourself. Just quickly look at it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I know, I know I'm teaching, so in my mind, I have to really act like I'm teaching, think I'm teaching, and expect you to be quiet and absorb. But I think I'm treating you like I'm preaching, and I expect you to respond to what happens when preachers preach. But I'm really teaching, so you're doing okay by just absorbing. That's good. John 4, 14, you, are you there? You found it? Okay. Whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. So Jesus will give water. We good? Hello? Okay. Shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well. Of what? Living water. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. So this water is eternal life. This water is salvation, everlasting life. We all good? Amen? Okay. Then now go to Isaiah 12. Isaiah 12. Come to Isaiah 12. The Bible is so connected. It's God's book. God wrote it. It's beautiful. Isaiah 12. When you find Isaiah 12, you say amen. All right, in Isaiah 12, this is what we want to do. We'll look at verse 2 and verse 3. Are you there, Isaiah 12? Verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. So is the verse talking about salvation? Yes. Rescue, deliverance, healing, wholeness, soundness, wealth, prosperity. Salvation. God is your salvation. You are not your salvation. Your pastor is not. Your prophet is not. Your archbishop is not. The pope is not. God is your salvation. We're good? I will trust and not be afraid. Not be afraid. So there are things that may make me afraid, make me fearful. The storms, if Peter looks at the storm, you get fearful and you drown. But as long as he looks at Jesus, he's stable. We're good? Amen. How do you remain anchored? Look to the Lord. Look to God. Look to Jesus. Look to the word.
Keep your eyes on Jesus. How do you do that? Bring your mind back on what he said to you. Bring your mind back on the promise. Meditate on the word. Reflect on the word. Think the word. Think over the word. And even say it to yourself. Dwell on it. Amen. Play that. Whatever is it. Play that music of the word. The melody. How you felt when he first spoke to you. Gave you that promise. Or you read that scripture. And you got it inspired in your heart. Your heart was burning in you. Go over it. When you lay in your bed. Go over it. When you wake up. Go over it in your mind. Save your soul. Arrest yourself from your mind wandering all over the place. Bring yourself back. Amen. Because Satan wants you to look at the storm. And when he look at the storm, he wants you to start thinking, oh, I'm going to go down. The storm's so high. You know, on... Uh, on, on the lakes in around Galilee, Gennesaret, Lake of Galilee, sometimes, historically, report, reportedly, the waves could be as high as 30 feet. Imagine three-story building. And you are in this tiny boat. You're looking up at the storm. And Satan says, you see the storm? You're dead. He wants, he wants you to read your own obituary while you're alive. That's the devil. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot stop thoughts coming to your mind. That you can't stop. But you can stop yourself from saying what the devil is putting in your mind. Don't repeat it. Please, don't repeat it. Don't repeat that negative thing. Don't say it. And certainly don't act on it. Don't do what the devil is telling you. None of us, nobody here, nobody here has perfect thoughts all the time. This doesn't happen on this planet earth. Until we go to heaven, none of us will have perfect thoughts. Nobody. Nobody. And I don't mean any insult. Not the Pope, not Billy Graham. No human being. There's, there's a tempter. There is a devil who is not bound yet in the bottomless pit. Who is not thrown into the lake of fire. Not yet. Didn't demons say to Jesus. Demons said to Jesus. Have you come to cast us out before the time? There is a certain time. Until that time. Though they have been defeated by Jesus. They are free to roam around. And do their foolishness and their craziness. Come on people. Are you with me? It appears in scripture that God gave to men some time to rule the earth. I know you kind of have to surmise it, kind of have to kind of glean it out, you know, from scriptures, you know, not direct evidence, circumstantial evidence, but enough of it in scripture for you to see that it is so. Why would demons say, have you come to cast us out before the time? That's telling us there's a time. Come on, people. Revelation 12, the devil came down with great anger against humanity, especially those who believe in Jesus Christ, to come against them and then to, to destroy Israel. In Revelation 12, he says that because he knows his time is short. So there's obviously, there's a certain time. We're just not told the date. We're good? 
Amen. So even though Satan was defeated on the cross and you and I were set free, Satan is still doing some nonsense in the world. But you and I have been given the keys of the kingdom and whatever we said to the devil, not this house, not here, not minus me. My, oh, no, 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 Yo, no. The box stops here. Not this house. Not my child. Not my wife. Not my husband. I stand and I take authority over you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, it's hard sometimes, but having done all, I still stand. Amen. And don't tell me you can't do it because some of you, my God, you are hard people. Some of you are hard people. Some of you meaning Christians. When, when a Christian wants to mess your life up, as a pastor, somebody who said, I love you, I respect you, they'll insult you to your face and leave your church. I'm gone, I'm out of here. Attitude. So don't tell me you can't fight the devil. You ever been mad at somebody before? I'm not, not trying to put anybody down. I'm just saying that in this world, oh, come on. If you want to show up that you got some attitude, you know how to do it. How come we don't do that when it comes to fighting the enemy? How come you only show that bad attitude when you're mad with the pastor, mad with the church, and you're ready to leave? Some of you get so mad you wish you could take your tithes back that you paid 40 years ago. I know I'm, I'm just exaggerating, but I'm just trying to make my point. You have, you have fight in you, but use it not against your brothers and sisters in Christ, not against your own family. Use it against the devil. Who knows his time is short, and you tell him, not this house. You're not going to mess up here. I take authority over you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I have the keys of the kingdom, and what I bind on earth, that is already declared unlawful by God in heaven. God's just waiting for somebody who will intercede. Somebody who will stand in the gap. Somebody who will agree with God. And God's looking for you. So you say, Satan, I lock this up. And don't listen to people who preach and they put on the internet, all this binding and loose is not even in the Bible. Seriously, you ever read Luke 13 when Jesus said to the woman who had been bound, she's been bound, she could not straighten herself. So physically you look at her and you see that she has a curvature of her spine. Her spine is curved. She cannot stand straight. Osteo something, you know, porosis, something with her spine. And Jesus did not call it osteo anything. Jesus did not give it a physical name. Jesus said, woman, be loosed. From your infirmity. I stand to declare to you. That binding and loosing is biblical. Jesus said. In Luke 13. Woman you are loosed. From your infirmity. Jesus called it. A spirit of infirmity. And immediately. She was straightened up. Her back was straight like a rod. She stood up. And she praised God. May God lose you. May God lose you. I declare you loose from pain. I declare you loose from anything that has bound you. Receive it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Even though the storm is raging. Even though the doctor keeps giving you this report. Negative report. Well they have to. They see this. They see it on, on whatever. However they've seen it. The, the MRI or the x-ray. The video. Whatever it is. They've seen it and they're telling, they're telling you what they see. And I'm here to tell you that we walk by faith not by sight. God will 
change what is. As we worship today, God will do it for you. God will do it for you. He'll give you a miracle. And the same doctor that said you could never walk. The same doctor that said that you could never see. The same doctor that said the child will never hear. That same doctor will say, everything is changed. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. I went and got an eye test. And the doctor said, you got to go see a specialist. Doctor said, I forgot what he said. I don't know whether they said glaucoma. Uh, I think that, yeah, possible glaucoma, I think. So I went to see the specialist and they did all kinds of tests. And, and, uh, and she said to me, you know, sometimes some doctors talk and you wonder if they actually believe us, you know. She said, go live your life. You don't have glaucoma. You don't have anything. Go live your life. But I just liked how she said, she said, go live your life. Usually they just, she gave me all the report and everything. And they'll say, oh, you're fine. You know, go. She said, go live life. Yeah, baby. <laughs> if God be for you. Who? What do you do when the storm is raging? I've come to teach you about how to get your soul anchored. Look to Christ. Scripture says, as long as Peter kept his eyes on the Lord, he walked on water. But when he began to look at the storm, he began to sink. 30 feet wave, ladies and gentlemen, that's no mean, small thing. It'll scare anybody. I don't care who you are. It'll scare you. I taught you from Acts 27 last week, and I said, gave you a little homework to our church members. Go and read this. How Paul talked about this, being in a storm. No sun shining. No star seen for two weeks. It wasn't one day. I hope you read it. Acts 27. It wasn't a one-day storm. Two weeks. No sun shining by day. No stars to be seen at night. And the storm is raging. Some storms are so bad, notorious, they got a name. And no Easter is coming. Today, today they give them all kinds of names. They start from Alpha and go through till Omega. I rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. It's just like the storm of coronavirus, yeah? After we dealt with the, the main one, then they started talking about Delta and Lambda. They just want to go through all the Greek alphabet. We stop it now in the name of Jesus. We have the keys of the kingdom. Jesus said, I give you the keys. Whatever you bind shall be bound. Whatever you lose. And then we just sit back, oh God, I don't know what's going on in my life. And God says, didn't I give you the keys? Didn't I give you the keys? What are you doing with the keys? Use the keys. Let the devil know you have authority over him. When they were crying out, Jesus, have you come to cast us out before the time? Jesus still cast them out. 
When the devils complain, you say, yeah, get out. Not my house. In the name of Jesus Christ. You will not have my husband. You will not have my wife. You will not have my child. You will not have my life. You will not have my peace of mind. I take authority over this thing. And I command it. Go in Jesus' name. Praise God. Stand your ground. Oh, there are some things that I love about America. Stand your ground. <laughs> this, is, this is my house. I mean, why is it that? We know these things. We use them in the natural. Get off my property. When you hear that statement, it's not a British talking. It's not an Australian talking. It is not a German. That is an American talking. Get off my property, man. Oh, I wished you. You can say all that. But when the devil is fouling around your house, then you are mute. And then you start complaining, God, I don't know what happened. I don't know what's going on. Where is your attitude? Where is all that? <laughs> Use it against the devil. In the name of Jesus, tell him, this is my property. You get out of my house. As I was praying and preparing, meditating, something I saw, and I thank God that he's brought it, brought it back to me to bring to you. I saw about this message was this. God is saying to me, teach them this, that they have to touch something. To be anchored. Find something that you can touch. You can connect to. Hold on to it. Amen. This is my property. What are you saying? I'm connecting to this ownership. I pay the bills here. I, whether it's rent or mortgage, whatever. I, I own this. You don't own. I own this. You're not allowed here. You are attaching yourself. Your right to order an intruder to leave, you are attaching it to what? My ownership. Ownership rights. Connect yourself. Find something that you can connect to. Attach yourself to it. That ship is not moving. The waves are not going to redirect it to another place because they have cast anchor. And the anchor has hit the seabed. So it is solid. Oh, the waves may move it a little bit, but it's not going anywhere. It is connected. In the series of teachings, I think the word that Reverend Janice used was what? It is tethered. got to find something. Find. Sometimes it's got to be something. Whether it's something from the scriptures or something. You know, you have to find. It's, it's in your spirit. It's in your mind. Even if for some people, you can even have uh, a natural contact, a point of contact. Find something. Be like Rahab who put the red cord. She put a red cord. That's her hope. She put the cord in the window. She could see it. Now know that the town folks didn't understand why there's a red cord. 
in, in Rahab's window. But it's not even a big deal. Excuse me to, to go there, but I have to so we can see it. If, if it's a, a massage parlor, if it's, a, excuse me, if it's a red light district, you know. I mean, Rahab was a prostitute, yes? So a prostitute's inn, a prostitute's house. If you see a red cord in the window of a prostitute's place, it isn't normal. It's regular stuff. I know this is church. Church people are like, So I know you have no idea what I'm talking about, but just kind of come along with me like in the movies, you know? All right, so we're not talking about church. We're talking about prostitutes' house, yeah? Prostitutes' inn, you know? They got, you watch Western movies before? Okay, so she's, if she's got a red cord in the window, that's like normal, yeah? So you see, you didn't even think anything of it. But she knows. But she knows why it's there and what she knows. That she saved. Her family will be saved and they're not going to die. They're going to be rescued when the invasion happens. It's all connected. It's, it's all connected. It's attached to this cord. Find your cord and hold on to it. That's the hope. That is her anchor. That's right. Okay, so. The moment the walls were going down and all that noise, when the Israelis shouted, shout, for the Lord has given us the city. Yahweh, whatever the shout was. And the walls, big, 30 feet walls are going down. All that noise. And we have it. Because she's holding on to a core. What's your core? In the storm, what are you holding on? Find a scripture. Go back to the word. I told you that last week. I hope you remember Acts 27. Paul said, I believe God. It shall be as God told me. He's anchored. Two weeks. No sun. No, no sun. Storm still raging. And he said to the people, no, you're going to die. 276 people. He says, God has given me all you, your life. Just because of me. On this vessel, you're not going to die. You're not dying. Be of good cheer. That's what he's talking about. Cheer, rejoice in the midst of the storm. Yeah, because you need strength. You need strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In the midst of the health challenge, and one report after another, one test after the other, and it's looking negative, and it's worse. Those bands, and the shouted, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Man, you feel pain in your back, pain in the leg, pain in the head, pain. Every moment, sometimes it's weird. Pain just starts from all of us, right? And I'm like, where, where does it come from? You know, the, the, the women in my life were mean to me yesterday. You know, my, my wife and two daughters. They were not sweet at all. Yesterday. Well, uh, you know, our daughters are in New York, but you know, like on, on the phone, FaceTime, you call it FaceTime? You know, so I stepped on something. You know, I'm walking, just walking, you know, I stepped on something, and I'm like, oh, ouch! My little toe is coming off, and they're, they're laughing at, you know, that reaction. They were not being sweet, you know? It was, it was my anger. I mean, I mean, I mean. 
It's painful, man. That's when you say all kinds of things. I didn't cast those. So they're making fun of me, like things that I would usually, the way I behave when, when something like that happens. I never cast. I never cast. But, you know, I'm, I'm always saying something, right? You know. Let's move this house to another house. You know, let's get stuff like that. Yeah, I think things like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if I lived in the White House, I wouldn't be stepping on this. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm always looking for, you know, a better place. But you're not going to get me to, you know, step on something and then, you know, cast out, say that. No, no, no. The negative is not even, it's not going to come out. Don't make it part of me. You know. Sometimes you just wish one that says, oh, 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 poor dad, oh, sorry. I didn't get anything like that. God is good. The joy of the Lord. Amen? All right, so look at Isaiah 12. Isaiah 12. Verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation, I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. And just to quickly say something about the song before we move away. It would have been good enough to say the Lord is my strength. But notice he asked song. God wants you to always express who you are in Christ, who he is to you, what you can do in Christ, how God has delivered you. Amen. He wants your music to be glorious. Express yourself. So now that you know that you are his your strength, he gives you a song. Keep singing. Let your spirit keep rising up. Knowing that it's your strength is enough, but he says it's my strength and my song. Amen. Keep it going. Keep the melody of your victory ongoing. That helps you crowd out the voice of the enemy. Did you catch it? Yeah. That's why you have to keep your song going. Keep your song going. Keep your joy. Amen. You got to fight. You got to fight. If the one who is defeated is fighting, you who are victorious cannot give up. Having done all, stand there. Stand. Stand. Stand therefore. Amen. Okay, we're not done with Isaiah 12. Look at verse 3. Therefore, because the Lord is my salvation, is my song, singing, can't be that can go down. Spirit of heaviness cannot sit on me. Spirit of heaviness cannot sit on me. Amen. Therefore, Isaiah 12:3. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of what? The wells of salvation. So in John 4:14, Jesus said, I put in you the well of what? Living water, springing up to everlasting life. Amen. And that well of salvation springing up to everlasting life, one of the initial manifestations that one is saved. One of the first expressions of a spiritual force or presence 
that I'm saved is what? Joy. Not the only thing, but one of them is joy. Because God is my salvation, what will happen with joy? I'll draw water. Amen? With joy, I will draw water. Praise God. So the water is going to turn into joy. Yes? The water is going to turn into what? Joy. Go to John 2, please, very quickly. The Bible will show it to us. John 2. Verse 2. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. To the marriage. And when they wanted wine or lacked wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. I'm a guest to your wedding. Hello? You run out of wine. If you have a wedding, you have a program, ceremony, party, whatever, you invite guests and you run out, do you ask the guests? No. You actually try to hide it from your guests. Isn't that right? So why would they go to the invited guests? What this is telling you is that go to Jesus. Go to God. That, that's all this is telling us. Because it's not a normal thing that you have a ceremony, you have a party, you have an engagement, you have a wedding ceremony, you have a whatever. You are the host, yes? You run out and then you go to your guests and say, can you, can you give me $5 to go to the store? I mean, is that normal? Do you do that? Nobody does that. So why did they do that here? That's telling you to stop the shame, to stop the confusion, the embarrassment. Whatever it is you're going through, go to the Lord. We good? Amen. Go to the Lord. Talk to him first. Before you take the phone and call your girlfriend, your best friend, talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Amen. Sometimes when I preach these things, I remember things that, you know, our kids would joke about. And, and I like it, you know. Young people just have a way of doing things that just connects with scripture, you know. I talk to Jesus. And they make joke like, you know, I'm going through something. I talk to Jesus. Yeah. That's John chapter 2. Go to Jesus. This is, it makes sense. Read it. John, John 2. Let's go to verse 1. Let's go to verse 1. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. Called to the marriage. If I call you to come to a wedding, what's another word for call? What's, what's that today? Invite. They were invited guests. And when they lacked wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Says to Jesus, they have no wine. I'm like, well, what does it have to do with me? Right? But you can't say what does it have to do with you in reality when you are God. Because you created the people. They are yours, the sheep of your pasture. Amen? And when they need help, turn to you. This, this chapter has more in it than we have seen. This is talking about the fact that God will send Jesus, will send Jesus to the earth to fill empty people, empty vessels with the water of life so they can have joy. They can have peace with God. They can have eternal life. 
They can be reconciled to God. They can be married to God. Yes. Yes. And how did Jesus do that? He died on the cross. Then he was buried for how many days? Three days. So he rose up on the what day? First day? Second day? What day? Third day. Look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. John 2 verse 1. And the uh, I rest my case. And the third day, right there you're like, wait a minute, what's he talking about? Resurrection. Resurrection. And the third day, on resurrection day, this is God saying right here, you who are away from God, I've brought you back. This is God saying right here, you who are empty, I will fill you. This is God saying, you who have lived with shame, I'll remove your shame. I will help you. I will lift you up. I will bless you. Because of resurrection power that is released to human lives on their, what day? Third day. Hallelujah. Amen. Skip to verse 6. You don't have time, so I'm just going to skip to verse 6. And they were set there. This is funny to me. They were set there, six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three furkins piece. Verse 7, Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to their brim. Let me ask you this. Look at verse 6. They were set there. Why would you have guests coming? You need to feed them. They need to drink. And you set there. Set. Fixed. It's, they're put there for a purpose. But that which is needed for that purpose to be accomplished, you did not follow through. Why would you set them there and they're empty? What God is saying is that we are planted here on earth. We are set here, but we are empty without God, without Jesus. And how did that happen? It's because Adam committed high treason, rebelled against God, and turned over man's authority on earth, turned it over to the devil. Yes, sir, that's what happened. That's what happened. And really, until the time for our uh, lease, I guess probably the best word I can use. Like, like when you rent a place, you have a, the annual country lease, yeah? I think, yeah. Until the time that our lease on earth runs out, is exhausted, the person to whom the lease was given still rules. You know, the, the lease will continue till it runs out. Does it make sense? You got a lease, one year or two, two years, whatever, until it runs out. There are some commercial contracts, in fact, that you're limited to minimum five years. You, you have to rent the place for five years, 10 years, commercial contracts usually. The lease is a minimum of five years. We, we're not told how long, but it appears that man was given a lease for a certain time. And man did this. Go to Luke. Luke 4, verse 6. Just give me a sec to just make sure. And then Plan is saying this. So, uh, what is that? Luke 4, 6. Usually the first number that comes to mind is correct. Let me see. Luke 4. Just give me a minute. Uh, 
Luke 4, what did I say? Verse 6, right? Did I say Luke 4, 6? Okay. Verse 6, yes. And the devil said to Jesus, All this power will I give you and the glory of them, for it is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Okay, it will make better sense if you go to verse 5. Luke 4, read from verse 5. And the devil taking Jesus up to a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, in a flash of time. Imagine that all the kingdoms of the world in a flash of time. I mean, you see, you see Beijing, you see Paris, you see Washington, D.C., you see Berlin, you see, I mean, you see all these nations, you see Cape Town, you see Johannesburg, you just, you know, just for, you know, the Max's sake, you see Accra, Ghana. Amen. I, I got to remain friends, so I have to put that in for his sake, you know. You see Lagos, you know. Can you imagine seeing the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time? Like people say that his life flashed before him in a moment. Isn't it amazing? Look at that. The devil putting all this rushing into your mind. All these thoughts and these Im images in a, in a moment of time. And without thinking, you just do something crazy. Oh, just jump and kill yourself. Before that moment, imagine all the thoughts, the images, the pictures that rush into this person's mind. May the Lord deliver you in Jesus' name. May you and your house be anchored. Be anchored. Be anchored in Christ. Be anchored in God. Be anchored in his word. Knowing that God has sworn by himself. That in blessing he will bless you. And in multiplying he will multiply. He will increase you. That is the promise of God. He came that you may have life. And life more abundantly. But my God shall supply all your need. According to his riches in glory. By Christ Jesus. God is able to give you all grace that you may abound Ooh. in all grace to do his work and his will. So look at this. Luke 4, verse 6. And the devil said to him, so now that he's shown him everything, he's shown you this thing, right? And it's on your mind. And he speaks to you. And he says, and he's speaking to Jesus. If the devil tempted Jesus, don't you think he'll tempt you too? You think the devil is shy? <laughs> so he says, well, I'm born again. Why is the devil bothering me? Well, why not? You are his enemy. Who do you want him to bother? The people who are already defeated? No. The one that's a threat, that's you. So you have to stand. Your I'm moving to Florida. Because you're in Washington. You don't understand. Stand your ground. If we live in Florida or Texas, yeah, baby, bring it on now. Stand your ground. Washington people, nah, you guys, you don't get it. Going to Texas. Now I see why T.D. Jakes moved from West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia. They don't know stand your ground. Excuse me? Okay, I take that back. He moved to Texas because Texas people... They understand, stand your ground. You don't mess with them. You get to Texas and they say, here, <laughs> we kill you if you kill somebody. 
Texas, yes. Capital punishment. We practice it here. <laughs> Don't mess with us. Uh, it's just a joke just to bring out the fact that you need to stand. Having done all, stand. Some of you give up too quickly. Give up easily. Stand. Amen. Stand. Remember in the series, I mean, the Holy Spirit has been teaching us these things. One of the other examples we, we gave you in the series was in Mark chapter 10, blind Bartimaeus. Remember that day I got a blue cloth. Who remember somebody gave me the blue cloth? You didn't give me a blue cloth? If I, for those of you who, who are here, you remember I used this. In Mark chapter 10, in Mark chapter 10, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sitting on the wayside. I taught it. Use this example. Thank you so much. God bless you. So he's begging. And he heard that Jesus was coming. Messiah. And he knew in the scriptures, the son of David is a healer. So that day he connected his deliverance, his healing, that he could see and be able to see God's beautiful world for himself also. Connected it to the scripture that the son of David, the Messiah, will bring healing in his wings. Salvation. He connected it to something. I don't know whether he was taught in the synagogue or Sunday school or his mother taught. But some, somewhere along the line, he had picked up the scripture. And it was in his spirit. And when the Messiah comes, the blind will see. I think it's Isaiah 35, right? Yes, Isaiah 35, maybe verse 3. Somebody can look it up and then come for, for us. But Isaiah 35, somewhere there, 3 and 4. Anyway, the blind will see. So he's begging. And when he heard that, he starts shouting out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around Jesus, the entourage. I didn't know Jesus also had an entourage. What do we call the entourage today? Parsi? I don't know what they call them. They used to call them in the 90s, your Parsi. You know, so he had, he had his crowd. And they said to him, be quiet. They weren't nice, but I'm in church, so I can't say it the other way. But be quiet, you know. And then what did the Bible say? The, thank you, Mr. Sherman. The more they said to him, be quiet, the louder he got. Has the devil been telling you something about your career going nowhere? your ministry going nowhere and the people who don't like you and are jealous of you about your ministry, speaking against you, gossiping about you and, and, and it happens. Instead of praying for you and standing with you, oh yeah, or let them hear that you and your wife, you got some problems. Oh. Did you, did you hear? You know what they're going through? It's a mess. Mm -hmm. It's a mess. I know. Yeah, I have heard. When, when he dumps her, or I have him when she dumps, you know, and all kinds of, it happens. It happens. And then some of you just go along with the devil, whatever it is the devil tells you, you say it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at him. Look at him. He, this, he calls himself a man. You forgot you are married. You forgot you are married to him. You chose him. Now you tell your girlfriend, and, and, and he, that thing, he calls himself a man. You are nothing. Seriously? 
You are born again. You can tell another human being that they are nothing. And not just another human being. This is somebody you're married to. You can look at them and say, you are nothing. Or some of you get so mad at your child, you tell your child you're nothing. Or some of you say, you, you would not amount to anything. How can you even say that? Have the word of God in you and be able to utter to a human being you amount to nothing. Who do you think you are? You're not God. I rebuke those words in Jesus' name. Take it back if you ever said it. Take it back. I cancel. Say, I said it. I take it back. I repent, Lord. Forgive me. I cancel it in Jesus' name. Don't give your words to the devil. Did I help you? All right. So blind Matimai, sitting by the wayside, the people said, be quiet, and he got louder. Get louder than the devil. Get louder than his thoughts being shot at your mind. Renew your mind, and not just your mind, but personally what I love about this in Ephesians 4, I'll show it to you in verse 23 and 4. Renew the spirit of your mind. That is the life of your mind. In Genesis 2, God breathed into man, and he became a living soul. Amen. The spirit that came into man is the life. Spirit is life. Spirit is life. Amen. Spirit is life. So renew the spirit of your mind is renew the life of your mind. What is, where is my mind actively? What first comes to my mind about whatever, what is, whatever it is about your life? What comes to your mind? Am I going to make it? Is that what comes to your mind? Or is it failure that comes to your mind? What comes first, that is the life of your mind, the spirit of your mind. Amen. When somebody starts telling you a story, does your spirit go instantly to what God can do? Or do you get excited about, oh yeah, tell me more. The gossip. So what? He, what, what titillates you? What excites you? What thrills you? And what draws you in? That's the spirit that you have. Do you learn something today? The spirit of your mind is what first comes to mind about whatever. How do you react? Yes. Amen. Thank God I will not stub my toe. But if that were ever to happen, it is impossible for me to utter a curse word. It, it, it does not exist. Oh, I got some other problems. I got some other issues I'm dealing with. And I'm going to get better. But when it comes to Making a negative confession. <laughs> no, that, that's really hard. You have to put me through a whole lot to be able to get that out of me. That, that's hard. That's hard. It's not going to come. It's not going to come. Because it does not exist in me. Like the devil, Jesus said, the prince of this world comes, but he has nothing. Amen. The areas where I know I have challenges, I stand firm and I work more on it. But the other place areas, oh, the devil doesn't even bother. Because he's tried and he knows you get more trouble from me when he tries. He's just going to remind me to bind him in Jesus' name. Bind his demons and resist him. You learn something? Amen. Blind Bartimaeus shouted louder and something else he did. I demonstrated the other day. He threw off his burgundy garments. He threw off his burgundy garments. Don't beg for what is yours. 
You are the head, not the tail. You are above, not beneath. You are a child of the living God. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. So when we pray for healing, for example, you know, God, please, please, I beg you, God, I beg you, please give it to me. Give me healing. No, no, no. Say, Father, thank you that by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. Healing is the children's bread. Just eat it. Don't beg for what is yours. Thank God for what is yours. Did you learn something? Amen. All right, so notice this. Where we go, we look for verse 6. And the devil said unto him, all this power, what's another word for power here? Authority. All this authority will I give you and the glory of them, of the nations. Everybody, next part. For that is what? Delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. Which is a lie. He won't give it to you, the devil, no. But here's my question. That is delivered unto him, unto me. The devil says to Jesus. Here's my question to you. Who delivered the kingdoms of this world to the devil? Adam. It wasn't God who gave it to him. It was Adam. What have you given over to the devil? Get it back. Get it back. What is yours that you gave by wrong confession, your negative attitude, sin, whatever it is? Take it back. We're going to pray, but there's some things you got to take back. Amen? God has not given you a spirit of fear. Give the fear back. Let the devil have his fear. He is the one who is afraid, not you. Come on, people, did you catch it? The devil is the one who is afraid. He knows his time is short. He's afraid. Fear is not of God. So give it back to the devil. Amen? It has been delivered to me. So until the lease runs out, Satan is still here doing whatever. So you have to tell him, well, until the lease runs out, God has been gracious enough to give me authority over you. So I stop you in the name of Jesus. You get out. Amen. I don't know what part of the message God has used to help anchor you. But if it's like blind Bartimaeus, throw off the beggarly garments. Get louder than the voices speaking to you. Hold on to something. If you like Rahab, have a rod, the, the rope of hope. Hold on to it. Get yourself connected to a promise, a word God gave to you. Let's conclude opening with the opening scripture, Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6 and verse 18. By two immutable things, what's another word I gave you for immutable? Unchangeable, yes? By two unchangeable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge. To do what? To seize, to capture, to lay hold grasp and hold on to lay hold upon the what to lay hold upon what Hebrews 6 18 
Everybody, the last part, lay hold on what? The hope. Seize your hope. Set before us. Which hope we have as what? An anchor of the soul. It is sure, both sure and steadfast. Amen. And we're going to use this part to pray and pray for what you want. Which part? Once it's sure and steadfast, I've talked to you about being immovable. Not looking at the stones, but holding on to God, holding on to the word, to a promise. Look to God, look to Jesus. Yes? But now we're going to pray for something you want. Look at this. The hope enters into that within the veil. Where the forerunner, verse 20, for us has entered, even Jesus, who was made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. The hope helps you to enter. Obviously, ultimately, we are entering heaven by faith in Jesus. But here on earth, our hope helps us enter a next level of glory. We go from glory to glory. So we're going to pray now. And every one of us, we're going to seize. We're going to lay hold on a promise, a picture, a dream, a vision, something God revealed to you. You're going to have it in your heart and on your mind. You're going to hold on to it. And with it, you're going to pray yourself to enter that place. Make sense? Amen. Abraham, Sarah, you're going to have a child. So they're going to enter into parenthood. But they were old. Sarah was barren. So God gave them something to hold on to, which was what? A picture in the night sky, the stars. Can you number them? You couldn't number them. God says, you are childless, but you're going to have that many children. He says, really? God says, yes. God says, look down. When the devil wants you depressed, you look at the sand. You see, you can't count the sand, right? They're innumerable. Yes, so shall your seed be. Look at God. Whether you look down or look up, you still have a symbol. You have a source. You have something you're holding on to. Everybody today, God gave me that. He says, tell them about that. Have something you are holding on to so we can pray. Do you get it? Sister Susan, if any two shall agree as touching anything, touch something today. So we'll pray. Touch it. Touch it. Amen. Touch something today. Touch it. Doesn't that remind you in the series of teachings, the picture of the woman with the issue of blood? Touching. If I can, yes, touch the hem of his garment, I'll be whole. But what was she touching? It had been said to them in the Bible that if you make fringes on your garments and you write my word and you, are, you attach it to your garments, you put it there. It will remind you to look at my word and to do my word. It's what I've been teaching you. Look at God. Look at Jesus. Look at the word, the promise he gave you. And do it. Speak it. Say it. So you can enter into healing. If I can touch him, I will enter into wholeness. Amen.
You're going to pray. You're going to use it in prayer. Praise God. I don't know, Reverend Janice, I got this testimony last week, and the person who testified was a little shy, and they don't want to come up to say it. But they said to me that they're going to tell me first, and then they're going to tell you next. I don't know if they, they talk to you. So what I'm about to say before we pray, you can attest, you can testify that is the truth. She doesn't even know what I'm saying, but just because the person told me, Pastor, I'm telling you first, and I'm going to tell Reverend Janice. So bringing it up, she's affirming that indeed it happened. Last week, we were praying. I think it was the end of the online service. That's why today I want to pray for people in church as well as everybody online together. But I prayed a closing prayer for the online church service and then said that we'll continue to pray for the people in church. Remember, for those of you who are here and those who are watching, because I've had two people who are watching online who commented to me, Pastor, I knew something was going to happen, so I received when you prayed the closing prayer for the online service. But I really wish I'd been there physically because I can only imagine what happened. Well, this is one of the things that happened. One of the people we prayed for, I go to her and I pray and I said, the Lord, fire up your brain. I didn't remember saying, fire up your brain. Give life to your brain and to your mind, like the spirit of the mind we saw today. So I remember saying this, right? And praying for her. God moved. We pray for many different people. Well, she calls, this person calls me and says, Pastor, I had this experience. God gave me this experience when you're praying for me. Never had anything like this. And I know I may not tell it exactly like she experienced it. Because when you experience something, it's better that you tell it. She says this. I felt like lava. I remember she said lava was flowing in my brain. But it was not red lava. It was bluish and silver. Did a person say that to you, Reverend Janice? Blue, the blue color, the lava, the, and it was gentle flowing. So I said to her, well, if it's your brain, it's not going to be red lava to burn it. You understand? Red lava, you know, volcano. It's not, it's not going to be to burn that. And it's just amazing. She did not see red lava, but she said it's like lava flowing. Gently. And the color was bluish and silver. silver. Silverish kind of color. Did she say, tell you that? And I remember telling her this. Do you know why it was blue and why it was silver? Silver because God was saying, silver represents redemption. God is saying, I'm redeeming, rescuing, healing your brain, your mind. Do you remember we prayed that none of us will suffer Alzheimer's forgetfulness? Do you remember that? Can you imagine the spirit was doing this? I didn't know. But God was doing this and somebody was experiencing this and seeing it. Oh, I wish I was an artist. Where is Rosalind to draw this? This is just beautiful. Blue lava. Usually lava is what? Red, isn't it? But it says it's blue and silver. Silver means redemption. Blue, heaven. Heavenly origin. Divine. That's God saying, I'm working. Remember the tassels attached to the clothes? He says, use the color blue to tell you that the word came from the blue heavens. The word became flesh. Do you get it? 
Oh, she said, and she said to me, Pastor, I wrote it down because I don't want to forget this. And I'm going to tell Reverend Janice next. Amen. So I know she said, she said, you know, I'm shy. I don't want to come up and say this. Um, actually, I was, I didn't even believe her that she was shy. But anyway, I'll leave her alone. So I tell her testimony. Amen. We're going to pray. Look at this. As we were praying, God was working and revealing this and flowing like fire, like lava, power to rejuvenate, rekindle, and bring somebody into newness of life, to a new mind, a new brain, a new life. May God bring you into a new place today of health, of strength, of power. God will do it. So we're going to pray. Does somebody have a picture already? What you're going to hold on to? Amen. You have to. It's not, we're not going to do this. Pastor, you just lay hands on me, zap me, and I'll know. You and I have to do this together. If any two, that is why when I was about to make that point, I called somebody, and I think I called Susan. But it doesn't have to be Susan, any one of us. If any two shall agree, it's got to be personal. You have to, we have to touch. If they shall agree as touching anything. Touch it. Touch means tangible, yes? Touch it. Tactile. Feel it. Touch the word. If I touch his garment, stand on the scripture. I will be whole. There will be no complaining in my streets. No violence. My daughters will be like, they will be glorious around my table. Your sons will rise up in majesty. I don't know what scripture God has given you, but have a picture you're holding on to today. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not just, oh, prophet, do it, do your thing. No, forget that thing they've been doing. You know, it's, that's not Bible. I got no magic for you. You and I believe God and we receive. Amen. So what do you want? Hold it now. Amen. That is your hope and you enter. Are you ready to pray? Amen. In the name of Jesus. And everybody around the world. And I heard you last week. Our online church. He said I wish I was there. Well. The Lord give it to you right now. Everybody online. All around the world. Thank you Father. Thank you Father. What did God tell you? Hold it. Take it. Seize it. Hold on to it. Lay hands on it. Do you see yourself saved? Do you see yourself healed? Do you see yourself delivered? Somebody see that picture. Childless, God says, see a picture of stars. Your descendants will be innumerable like the sand of the seashore. Like the stars in the heavens. Abraham has a picture. What's your picture? What's your picture? If you can touch the hem of his garment, I will be whole. Do you see yourself whole? I see you whole. I see you well. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I see your coronation. I see your elevation. I see your graduation. I see you up 
and not down. I see you above and not beneath. Come on, see this with me. In the name of Jesus. And begin to pray. Begin to pray. I pray that the power of God will come upon you right there in your home. Will come upon you wherever you are. Right here in this church. Right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Throw off the burglary garments. In the name of Jesus. See yourself seen. See yourself well. See yourself accomplishing God's purpose. See yourself running the race and winning. See yourself as a winner. See yourself as more than a conqueror. See yourself as above. See yourself not beneath. See the devil under your feet. See the enemy suppressed. Can you see that? Can you see that? Begin to pray. Begin to pray. In the name of Jesus, right here in church, right there in your home, begin to pray. Pray with me. In the name of the Lord Jesus, any two agree as touching anything, they shall as the Lord, it shall be done for them. We agree. We agree. I agree with you. Touching that thing. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I know you're already stable. You are secure. You are firm. Hallelujah. You're anchored. But now we are praying to enter. We're praying to enter. Nobody is wavering. We have gone past that already. We are the place where we're just entering. You are possessing. Makatali, Brikandos, Come on, church people, pray. I know spiritually we've gone beyond the point where we were being tossed to and fro. We are anchored already. Oh, yes, we are anchored. You are stable, you're secure, it is well. But now we are praying for big, bigger. We are praying for better. We are praying for greater. In the name of Jesus. Bartimaeus is no longer blind. Now he sees. The woman with the issue of blood is no longer hemorrhaging physically and financially and also disconnected from people. She is whole. Come on, can you see that? Can you see the shame gone? Now can you see glory come? The shame was stopped at the marriage, at the wedding. Glory came. Everybody at the wedding heard it. The people in the town heard it. That the best had been reserved for last. When people were drunk, didn't know any better. And so they will bring the worst thing for them. No, no, no. That's not what happened. They brought the best. I can see God giving you the best right now. He reserved the best for last. Come on, people. Ladies and gentlemen, your latter life shall be greater than the former. Because God reserved the best for you. Do you see that? I see you coming into the best. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes. That first marriage did not work. Well, this one shall be bigger, better, brighter, greater. He reserved the best for last. Can you see that? I prayed into your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. They said you were forgetful. Now you are a mathematician. Now you are a mathematics professor. <laughs> now you own a computer company. It's gone global. Can you see that? That's what I'm praying for. As I'm speaking, I'm declaring it. It's happening. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Makatali Brikotos Kabahatas.
Can you see the woman who could not straighten herself? Healed. Now she has a healing ministry. Can you see yourself with a healing ministry? I see that. They said you had a stroke. You could no longer walk. Now I see you not only walking. Now you have a healing ministry. And what's significant about your healing ministry is that the cripple, more cripples walk than any other miracle. <laughs> I see that happening. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Makatali Birikatoze. Zikata Barabakata Zabataya. Zekabatari Biketas. Please pray. Pray in the spirit, pray in tongues. Pray in English, pray in Spanish, in French. Pray in your language. Zikata Bahatakayas. He has reserved the best for last. The pain is gone. Joy has come. I thank you, Father. As I spoke, the brain to be renewed by the fire of God and the lava began to flow. I speak now over you. Life, health, peace, salvation, a better life, a brighter place, a better place, greater. He has reserved the best wine for last. Oh, God has given you the last laugh. God has given you victory. God has given you victory. In the name of the Lord Jesus, may your enemies envy you for the wealth, the increase, the multiplication, the greatness of God upon your life. This is what I pray for. Receive his salvation. Receive his salvation. And draw from the wells of salvation, joy unspeakable, full of glory. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you in the name of Jesus. Please say with me, thank you for salvation. Lord, I receive your salvation for myself and for my family. In every area of life, we draw joy out of the wells of salvation. In the name of Jesus. Our latter life. Shall be greater than the former. Thank you father. That you reserve the best. For last. I receive it now. In the name of Jesus. I receive for me. And for mine. I receive for myself and for my family in the name of Jesus. And now I go forth to bring your salvation to others. In Jesus' name, I will live and not die. I will live to declare your praises to the nations. In Jesus' name, I have the best. I have the best because I have Christ. Thank you, Father, for salvation. Thank you, Father, for all the benefits of salvation. I give you glory. I give you praise. 
in Jesus name by the faith of God I call it done amen amen give him praise somebody Woo! hallelujah glory 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 come on right now right now give him praise I know you do it later, that's good, but right now, before you go, right now, around the world, in your home, give him praise. He has reserved the best wine for last. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All around the world, in the sanctuary, may you ever be anchored, holding on to God Almighty, who loves you with perfect love, it's not against you. May you be anchored. May you not be moved. May you be firm. And by your life, the testimony of your life, may people come to Christ. In Jesus' name. In the matchless name of King Jesus, I say amen. God bless you, church. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank God for your life. Hallelujah. Give God praise, somebody. Oh, come on, people of God. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. This week, hold on, all right? Keep holding on. God bless you. Let's give to God, even online. Give to God, to World Missions Ministries. You can give a check. You can give online. Give Vizel or PayPal. We'll send a check to our ministry, World Missions Ministries. Three ways for now, three ways you can give. One, via Zelle transfer to World Missions Ministries. The number should be on the screen. Or for those who are just listening, uh, the number is 571-234-2387. I repeat, the number for Zelle transfer. It's not a phone number you call, but for Zelle transfer, it's 571-234-2387 to World Missions Ministries. And God bless you as you give. The second way is to give online via PayPal if you choose to do that. Just go to wmmchurch.org. wmmchurch.org. And just click the donate button and give as God has blessed you and as you choose to give. May the Lord bless you. Finally. If you want to give by check, send it through the mail to World Missions Ministries. All checks to World Missions Ministries. Send to 6805 East Clinton Street, Clinton, Maryland. 20735. And that's USA, of course. I repeat, World Missions Ministries, 6805 East Clinton Street, Clinton, Maryland, 20735, USA. God bless you. Thank you all for being with us today from around the world. May God bless you. Those of you who are here, right here in the Washington, D.C. area, please join us. Just come. We have in-person services, you know. Just come. Uh, we have a huge sanctuary, so we can still practice social distancing. Just bring your mask, find a good seat. 
joy services every Sunday. The word starts at 11 a.m. sharp, uh, but try to be seated like 15 minutes before time. So we are in worship and reflecting on his love for us. Amen? For service. Every Sunday, 11 a.m. for church service. Amen. God bless you. I will just make the other announcements. Usually somebody will come and do it, one of the ministers. But I'll end it by saying Wednesday nights, Reverend Rosemary leads us on Wednesday night in our Bible study. And it's on YouTube, on Facebook, and also on the face on the phone line. Wednesdays. 7.30 to 8.30. And then we have prayer. Our ministers lead prayer on Fridays. Also 7.30 p.m. That's for the entire church. Of course, the prayer team meets on Tuesdays. All right. God bless you. God bless you so much. Amen. I receive it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. All right. God bless. So we end the online service. God bless you.